Today's Global IQ Minute gives us an eyewitness report on the Jasmine Revolution in Tunisia. My conversation is with Akram Khalifa, a professor of American literature at the University of Tunisia. Akram gives us a first-hand view of the demonstrations that led to President Ben Ali's ouster, and he shares his hopes and concerns about what the future may bring. Let me start first of all uh, by the fact that um, I'm not going to use the word revolution in its ideological sense. I'm going to use it in its strict sense. Also, I do not fully agree on calling this revolution the Jasna Revolution. I do not think that this appellation would translate neither the cause nor the very essence and purpose of this revolution. It was used by a French blogger, I think, who still thinks of Tunisia as a holiday destination to enjoy the sun, the beach, and jasmine flowers. Many of the heroes of the revolution have never smelled jasmine in their life. So I believe this would steal the revolution of its uh, real meaning. Uh, But I would would tell her that it was a revolution that spontaneously started from the streets of Tunisia without any political, ideological, or foreign framework. It translated man's most natural desire for freedom and craving for dignity. As simple as that. Were you surprised by the rapidity of change in government took place? Oh, yes. Everybody, everybody was surprised. Believe me, on, the, on, on January 14th, I started uh, that march, uh, actually, right from the beginning up until in front of the Ministry of Interior. You were one I of the protesters. Never, yes. And uh, till the last minute, I couldn't believe and I wasn't expecting that all this would, would happen and that Ben Ali would, uh, would, uh, would leave. Uh, and people are just fed up. People are just sick and tired with this much uh, corruption, with this much despotism and, uh, and, uh, and especially lack of freedom, freedom of speech. Uh, my wife wasn't joining me uh, on that day. Uh, actually, she was her at home taking care of uh, our daughter, but um, I was representing her anyway. When we talked last week, immediately after former President Ben Ali had left the country, you were very excited, um, you were confident, you were optimistic. Has, has anything happened in the last few days to, to shake that optimism? Honestly, I'm, of course, I'm keeping the same excitement, confidence, and optimism. Uh, however, the reality now is different from the first days of the revolution. The pace of change is so intense. Every single day we hear something new, and the situation is becoming even more complex. The Tunisian street today is boiling with excitement and everyone is taking part in this democratization exercise, um, regardless of its political affiliation uh, and or background. There are actors who are stirring the pot, and I'm afraid it's going to boil over and turn into a mess. Uh, Yet, this is a very normal situation. What is more important is not the revolution, but the post-revolution. Uh, the, the French Revolution took more than four years to get rid of the old royal regime and, and set up the First Republic. Our job today is more uh, is almost similar to theirs, as we need to perform rad- radical changes uh, since corruption was deeply entrenched in, 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 in the uh, old political system and in every uh, layer of the Tunisian society. So now everything is on the table. Uh, and uh, people are engaged in radical changes and in, in reforms. 
Uh, and of course, we're fully, we're fully aware that we're paving the way for a much more dynamic economy and interesting social, cultural life. Let me tell you about something else. And it's unbelievable how it changed our feelings. When I was in the States, I was envying every single American citizen who was waving his own, uh, his, his own country's flag. I was envying every single house that was hanging the flag of America. I was envying every single American who was deeply touched when he's feeling, when he's listening to the, to the American anthem. I've never lived that, believe me. And the first time when I heard, especially on January the 14th, when I was among the protesters, people and everybody was singing the, uh, the Tunisian anthem, I was crying. The first time I had that feeling. I have to tell you that last Saturday I was watching CNN International and they had a segment where they showed a group of Tunisian men, and I emphasize there are only men in the crowds, which is not something you've seen in some of the other uh, media reports. And one of the people they were interviewing said this is an opportunity for Tunisia to become an Islamic state and for women to stay at home. Uh, of course, women, together with men, contributed in a, in a, in a very similar way to this uh, revolution. On, the, on January the 14th, uh, uh, both of them, and people from different ranks of life were there. Um, everybody's talking about the Islamic threat. Uh, but I'm telling you, uh, these people you have seen represent nobody but themselves. And I, I, I have so much confidence in the educational level of Tunisians, in, the, uh, in, in what the Tunisians and the Tunisian women have acquired for, for, the, for the last, uh, for the last uh, uh, decades. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that there is a single person in Tunisia who is ready to lose all that. What is the atmosphere now at the University of Tunis? Have you returned to teaching? Yeah, yes, but um, you know, courses have resumed, but slowly and timidly. What can and should the United States do to assist Tunisia? Knowing the very long Tunisian-American bilateral tradition, that goes back, I think, to the 19th century, uh, in the fact that the Americans have always valued democracy and freedom in Tunisia. The United States should, I think, should and must support this spontaneous effort and boost the economic and social development, development um, resulting from it. Many observers feel that social media, and particularly Facebook, played a major role in, in, in this revolution. Is it still having an impact? Oh, yes. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the pace of change is so intense and nobody could, could, uh, could keep up with it. So social media like Facebook, Twitter and so many blogs have become the source of information now and a platform for sharing views. Tunisia was certainly known for its lack of free press. How has the media changed in the last few days? It must be just a remarkable shift. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You know, everybody... Uh, you know, the liberalization of, of, of press happened just all of a sudden, just in less than 24 hours. And, uh, uh, and uh, every now, every single newspaper and every single uh, 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 radio or television wants to become the spokesperson of the, uh, of the, of the revolution. You must be particularly proud of what Tunisia is experiencing right now and also about the impact that it's having across the Arab world, specifically in mm -hmm. Egypt and Jordan and Yemen. 
uh, the U.S. press spoke about a contagion, but I'm afraid this is not a disease. It is a normal historical process resulting from autocratic and despotic regimes that have isolated their own people. The more tyran tyrannical these regimes are, the more fragile they become. We think that there are more countries uh, uh, who are going to, uh, let's say, hold similar revolution in the, in the, in the, um, in the future. Our, our thoughts are with you and the other proud citizens of Tunisia. Professor Akram Khalifa, we appreciate very much you spending some time with the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. And uh, I hope that you'll give us the honor of, of calling you back in a, in a few days as we continue to monitor and watch with great interest what's happening in Tunisia.